Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 90. Okay, guys, uh, here and up with another one, as always. Same old intro. Um, you know, uh, as I said, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago that I was looking for more guests and I put it out there online and uh, once in a while some people find me and sometimes I find them or more more likely I find them. But uh, this one, she found me and reached out and she told me a little bit about her story and I definitely wanted to tell it. Uh, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of variables in this situation. So uh, I guess we just get right into it. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and just, you know, tell a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Grace Hale. Um, I love to swim. I love to cook. I also love to paint. Um, I really started my disability. Um, I was 14 and um, I had a stroke in between the mainland and an island. Um, Where was that at? So that in between a mainland and an island um, in Lake Lanier. No, do you know where that's at? For I don't. I have no idea where that's at. Uh, Georgia. Where? Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Okay. And um, basically, what had happened is I told my brother that I had a really bad headache, so he said that we should swim back to the mainland, and. As I was in the middle of swimming back to the mainland, um, I had a stroke. And it was really scary for me because I wasn't sure what was happening or what was going on at the time. I didn't even know someone that young could have a stroke. Um, but he went out and saved me. And um, after he saw the distress on my face. How far were you from actual land? Uh, about um, 900 yards or so. Okay. So a little ways out there. Yeah. And um, I really thank my brother for seeing the distress on my face because he was already back on the mainland. And um, he was like, come on, Kara, you can do it. You can do it, Grace. And um, I just, he saw the distress and he came out and saved me and I'm really thankful for that. And you said I wouldn't have been able to stay up much longer. Right. Um, so when, when he, once he rescued you and brought you back to shore, um, what happened next? Um, he started CPR because um, I had a little bit of water in my lungs. And then he was scared, so he called my parents. And they said to take me to the hospital, that they would meet me there. And um, after I got to the hospital, um, they didn't know what had happened to me. And it actually was my parents saying that it looks like she had a stroke. Because my face was drooping. I wasn't able to lift my right arm, my right leg. Um so then they sent me down to Children's Hospital in Atlanta. And um, that's where I did um, most of my therapy. Um, 
So you said your mom kind of recognized it, but what did the doctors think it was right off the bat? The doctors thought I was overdosing. Of course, yeah. Um, But once they found out I wasn't, they started giving me morphine, which turns out I'm allergic to. Oh, boy. Um, So I started swelling up really bad, getting hives and stuff. And then they gave me an EpiPen. Um, so luckily it didn't kill me. Um, but yeah. Um, so what did the doctor say was the cause of the stroke? It was not enough oxygen going to my brain. Um, I had an ischemic subcortical stroke and, um, I don't really know what that means, but I do know that there wasn't enough oxygen going to my brain and that's kind of what caused it. Uh, is that from just like a physical, like, you know, the fact that you were swimming, like what, what causes that? Um, they don't know yet. So they probably never will know. Oh, wow. So, um, I'm at risk for having another one. So, um, I take it. Your phone cut out. But, um, you take that's a what? Really an aspirin each day. Okay. So um, I won't have another stroke. That actually helps prevent that. Yes, it does. It helps thin the blood. Um, so it won't be as hard to get to my brain the next time. The oxygen. Wow. I didn't know aspirin did that. Huh? I didn't know aspirin did that. People take aspirin all the time. Yes, I didn't does. know. It could actually be life-saving. <clears throat> yes, most it can. Just, most people just take it for headaches, but um, that's actually an interesting discovery. Um, so what what were, what were was end up being wrong with you after the stroke? What were some of the, the effects that you were suffering from? Beyond just the um, yeah. actual diagnosis, what what ended up happening to you? Um, I wasn't able to walk, to talk, to lift my right arm. Um, and I also have developed um, multiple mental disorders and addictions from it. Um, do you still have the problem with your right arm and being able to walk? Yes, I, I do. Um, but it's a lot better than it used to be. How about um, how about walking? Writing. My right ankle still sometimes messes up, but it's just like I roll an ankle or something. It's not anything like I need a brace or anything. Right. Your left side's fine. Yeah, my left side is fine. Okay. But I can't really open my hand and stuff like that, so I have to sleep in a brace. Gotcha. Um, wow, yeah. That that seems to happen all the time when people have strokes. It always seems to affect one side of their body. Yeah. Uh, and it was in the left hemisphere of my brain, so my right side got messed up. Right. If it was in the right side of my brain, my left side would be messed up. Right. Um, you outside? Yeah. Okay, I, wonder, I thought I heard cars going by. Um, so 
how did before? So, what are the the mental disorders that you got from it? Um, I uh, have bipolar, um, borderline personality disorder, um, schizophrenia, um, insomnia, anxiety, PTSD. Wow. How how much medication do you end up having to take? There's about eight pills right now that I have to take uh-huh. on a regular basis. Um, I was really bad about getting off my medicine, and then that would send me into a spiral in my mental health and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, talk about some of the like your worst days before you had medication and started to figure all these things out. Like, um, What was your mental kind of doing to you? Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? <clears throat> like some of your worst days, talk about some of the days where your mind was just completely out before you started taking medication and figuring out all the things that have occurred afterwards, after the stroke. Um, what were some of, you know, you said you were schizophrenic and all these things. Like, what, what were some of the worst days like? Um, I would hear bad thoughts telling me to hurt myself, telling me to hurt others. Um, I would just get so down on myself and it's funny because I get down on myself, but I, I always am up listening to others and it's like, why can't I be that way about myself? Right. You know? Um, that's all. That's everyone's problem. I think though, it's much easier to, unless you're just like completely cocky and conceited, it's kind of hard to, you know, really look out for yourself as much as you look out for others. Yes. Um, were, were you suicidal? Yes, I was. Um, I've had six suicide attempts. Wow. Um, was this various ways? Various ways. So trying to take medication, cutting yourself, things like yeah. that. I cut myself a lot. You still do it? Um, no, sir. Okay, good. That's good to hear. Um, how has your mental health? What I'm getting from it, it seems like it's a little better. So, what what is? How are you mentally now? Now I'm in a good place. I have people who really love me, okay. genuinely love me. Good, good. And um, I'm in a great mental place right now. But that's just because. I'm taking my medicine. I'm doing the steps I need to take, you know, going to therapy, going to psychiatrists and stuff like that. Yeah. But if I ever do stop again, um, which I don't think I ever will do, but if I ever do stop again, those same feelings would come back. Right. Yeah, that's, you kind of never know how much the medication, I learned recently, you never know how much the medication is keeping back. Um, You get kind of comfortable in it and you just, you know, because sometimes people will say like, oh, maybe it's just a phase. And for some people it is. Some people just are kind of going through some stuff. Not not all of us, but some people are just kind of going through stuff and their depression is kicking their ass. And so they just do something for the moment. And then eventually they can just kind of, you know, wean off of it and then they're okay again. But for people like you and I, and again, I, I didn't have all the thing, problems that you do, but just having depression and anxiety, 
I stopped taking my medication recently yeah. just because of having brain fog and all these other things. And I said, I just wanted yeah. to see what it's like to have it without it. And for the first two weeks, you know, other than like my equilibrium kind of being off and being dizzy and stuff like that, I knew that was going to come because that's a side effect. So I, I was fine with yeah. that. I didn't like it, but it was like, I knew that was just a side effect from the medication. Well, then once the anxiety started coming back again and I just started being afraid of like the most nonsensical just whatever it was, it was just like, okay, now this and this. And I started worrying about like problems that I actually don't have. And I started worrying like, Oh, how am I going to pay my bills? And yet I pay my bills every month. And it was just the worst thought. So you never know how much the medication really holds at bay because it's there. And you know, you always kind of want to get off it, but you know, it's really not a good idea. Yes. And like I have multiple different shots that I have to give myself. Um, because I don't remember to take medication every day. Oh. Um, so I have found medications that work for me in the shop form. And that way I take it once a month and I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the time. Right. Um, so, I mean, you said mentally you're doing a lot better. Do, do you still have your days though, where you're like depressed and down on yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have days where I can't even get up out of bed. It's so bad. Um, But my fiancé, he helps me a lot with that. And he's really been my rock. And um, I just, I couldn't imagine life without him. That's awesome. Um, How about as far as like hearing voices and wanting to hurt people and all that, do you still have that? No, um, that's under control. Uh, it, that, that's one of the medications I have to give myself, um, through a shot. Um, but it, it is scary when it happens. Like when I get off my meds because it, it consumes me. Right. You know, that's all I think about. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, again, I don't, I don't have that. I never had that part. I just, it's not necessarily for me a voice. It was always just thoughts of, you know, no matter how happy I was, it would just take me down of like, oh, well, let's just feel sad or angry about this. But it was never anyone speaking to me, yeah. but you actually heard the voices. But it, it, even with just depression, anxiety, it does consume you and it takes over. And every time you have like a moment of, you know, minutes later, it'll kick back in and you'll have this like rush of the sensation in your body where it's just all of a sudden you just feel like negative energy hitting you. And it's like, oof. Um, yes, I feel that a lot. Right. How, what is it like, like how do you share with people? And I, I mean, I know now you're kind of in a better place, but how do you like explain to people? I hear voices without, you know, obviously you're going to feel crazy cause you, you, I'm sure you already felt crazy, <laughs> but you know, part of you is just as something you couldn't help, but also sharing it with other people saying, Hey, I hear voices right now. There's someone right now in my head talking, telling me to do whatever. How, how was that like for the first time to come out and actually like share that with somebody? I actually came out for the first time with my mom. Okay. And, um, she said, you know, we need to get you help. Um, that's not normal. Um, to hear voices and to see stuff and um i agreed to go get help Mm -hmm. um but it was very hard to tell her 
because I didn't want to seem crazy. Yeah. I guess. So, but she told my dad and my dad sat down and he shared some of his um, issues with bipolar and stuff. Um, so it was really helpful. Um, but it, it never truly goes away. You just learn how to deal with it. Right. How did you know it came from the stroke? Because there's a lot of people that have schizophrenia and depression and all that, and they never had a stroke. So how did you know it came from that? Um, well, my doctor said that it did. Okay. Um, because I was a perfectly fine child before. Right. And then they noticed the anxiety, the PTSD, the insomnia, the depression, the all that came after the truth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes, um, it makes all the sense in the world, but I, I didn't know if, if that was something that uh, your doctor eventually told you. Because it's, it's yeah. got to be very hard, especially the more you get it out there, especially to a doctor where you say, hey, I hear things and I want to kill myself. Because then, you know, I'm sure in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, no, they're going to put me in a straitjacket. Yes, I was very nervous when I went to my first um, mental hospital. Uh-huh. You know, because you always see the, like, insane asylum shit and stuff like that. And I was just so nervous that they were going to lock me away, but they didn't. They taught me how to express through art and how to get my voices and opinions and stuff out so I can, I can function as a normal person in society. That's good, yeah, because, I mean, you got the kind of the things that you see in movies and all that, but some of that is real. There are some really bad uh, crazy houses or mental play, you know, mental hospitals. Um, a new one I'm yes. in Philly, and, you know, you, you see a lot of people just running around and just screaming and all kind of things, but the fact that they actually were supportive of you and tried to help you have a better life. Uh, how long did you spend in one of those? Um, I've spent um up to eight months in one of those um it i've had to go multiple times right um it wasn't a whole eight months then it's eight months well it was an eight months stint. okay um but i've had to go multiple times to the hospital because i would get off my meds right and i would be just not functionable, not, and my, my parents can tell when I get off of them Yeah. because, um, I start acting differently. Like suicide is more on my mind and it's just, I don't do art when I'm really depressed and stuff. Right. So they can kind of tell yeah, and your your outlook on things like your you know probably when your mom will say something like hey you want to go to the store and you'll probably come up with a negative reason why not to do it. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's just there's a tone to it that is just it, it's man, it, it, it's very like I said, I didn't have all the symptoms that you did, but uh, it is very hard to break. It sounds like oh, snap out of it. Let's just go do something fun and all that. But exactly, when you're in that headspace, man. It is. It's very hard to break and that's why when people try to tell me like oh that mental stuff isn't a disability it's like you're you, you're out of your fucking mind you you don't know what yeah. you're talking about i have a physical disability no idea. i have a physical disability and i will tell you right now the mental shit is way scarier yeah it is I, and yeah. you feel like you're going crazy yeah and it's it's hard to share with people and it's hard to just because you you're you're basically acting the complete opposite of how you would normally uh, you're yeah. you're just so sporadic. You're just doing things that are just ridiculous. Um, and yeah, it's just it's it's hard to to break. Um, now you said there was some addiction issues. What what came of that? Um. So my birth mother is an addict, <clears throat> and um. It's very hard to talk about her because she died of liver poisoning. Right. Um, she drank herself to death. Um, it, that's why I don't do any alcohol, any drugs anymore. Mm-hmm. Is because I know I have that addictive side of me. Right, right. And when I, when I start doing drugs and start doing alcohol and stuff, my mental state changes so much and it's like I'm just living to get high and stuff like that and I just don't want to be that person anymore. If it's okay to ask, what what were you doing at the time in your in your worst days? I was just about doing everything. Um other than heroin. Okay. Um I was doing meth, crack cocaine, anything I could get my hands on, really. <clears throat> for the for the average person who doesn't know, and I, I lived in Philly for 22 years, and I saw how easy access it was, but can you tell people how easy it was to get drugs? It was very easy. I found a lot of friends who were doing drugs at the time, and it you could go walk down the street, even from my house, and you could find someone who's doing drugs, selling drugs. It's just so easy to fall into that. Yeah. And not like, like you know, like, you know, we're not just talking about weed. Like, yeah, you, it's easy to find weed. Yeah. Weed, weed, especially become, it's becoming more legal in states and stuff like that. But when you, you know, I just... I've never done drugs in my life, uh, but I've been around it my whole life, and I've seen, you know, what meth and, and certain things do to people. And, you know, many times, especially yeah. with, with my visually impairment, a lot of times my eyes will get red, so people will think I'm high. And so people will ask me, do you want pill? You know, do you want some pills or do you have pills? You know, I had one guy approach me at the mall one time asking me, hey, can I get some weed? And I'm like, I don't smoke. He's like, your eyes are red. Stop lying. And it's like, no, dude, I don't smoke. That's just my eyes. Um, <laughs> I mean, and I don't know why he didn't, I mean, I didn't smell like it. So, I mean, it, you can't, you know, weed gets all over you. But anyway, the, the point yeah. of it was, it's not hard to get drugs. Um, yeah, it's, it's not act- hard at all. It's actually harder to get drugs from your doctor than it is on the streets. Exactly. 
you know, you want Oxycontin from your doctor, you, there's going to have to be a real reason. But getting Oxycontin yeah. off the street is not that hard. Again, exactly. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I've never had any addiction to drugs, but it, you just, if you really open your eyes and you just know one or two people, you know, and I'm not even talking about one person. Right. And I'm not even talking about the dark web where you can order off their little Amazon like site where you can buy guns and, and all kind of drugs and alcohol. And so I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about just, yeah. just typical neighborhoods. There's, there's just all, the average gym. Yeah, there's always you know? a connector where you can find stuff, and you just know one friend who will know somebody who knows somebody, and you can get it. Um, and that's why so many of these yeah. kids get so wrapped up, and and you know, and if you've got mental problems and, and health issues, if you got like fit, you know these chronic pain, and you know that's why you know marijuana is becoming so big for a lot of these people because it helps with chronic pain. Um, but marijuana is the least of anyone's problem. There's so much other shit out there that just numbs the pain especially things like alcohol, yeah. which everyone knows is legal. I mean, you just, even if you're not yeah. 21, please, have you ever met a person who has never had a drink before 21 uh, or have waited to 21? No, I haven't. <laughs> never met a person. I've met people who have waited to have sex when they were 40, but I've never met anyone yeah. who have waited to have a drink uh, until exactly. 21. I think my first drink was probably when I was like eight and again, I don't drink, but mine was about eight too. Yeah, it, it, I don't, I don't drink, but you know, my dad let me have a sip of his beer, and my mom let me have a little bit of champagne on New Year's, and things like that. And, and it's just, and you always see kids drinking like a wine cooler or something. Like it's just a cool thing to do, I guess. But you know, you know, so yeah. it, it is what it is. But these things are so the the access to them is so easy. Um, and see, I didn't know that my birth mother was an addict. Oh, okay. I came in contact with her when I was about 10. Okay. Um, she was in jail for uh, scamming people. Um, and I started talking to her, and I realized I don't want to be anything like her. How did you know she was your mom? You know, Just pictures? Um, my adopted mother told me when I asked. Mm-hmm. Um. I still don't know who my dad is, but um, I do know who my mom is. And um, she opened the line of communication when I asked her to. Right. Um, it, in a way, I wish I'd never known, but in a way, I'm glad I knew because I could be just like her. And that's scary to think about. The fact that you like the one thing of knowing now you know it that it's like in your DNA, it's in your gene pool to be an addict. Yeah, whether you did it or not, um, it's just to know that wow, like that's part of the one of my problems is one little taste of whatever can just give me a whole a whole different outlook and a whole different feeling. And I can go down yeah. a rabbit hole of just near death because I have this person's blood in me. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> and I don't want to be anything like her. Right. But I, I love my two birth brothers. Um, that's the one I was telling you that saved me. Right. Um, he lived with us for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just, he's just the light of my life and 
I love him so much. Oh, he is your actual brother? Yes, he's my actual brother. Oh, okay. Well, that's awesome. So you guys were adopted by the same family? No, we weren't. Um, oh, okay. When I had opened the line of communication, mm-hmm. um, my birth mother had sent me, you know, his information as well. And we started talking, and he moved in with us when he was about 18. Right. Um, I was about uh, 14 at that time. Uh-huh. And um, that's, you know, how he was meant to be there because he's the one who saved me. And I owe my life for that. Are you guys still close? Yes, we are. That's awesome. Um, and so I, I just did an episode, weirdly enough, on adoption, uh, because that's another thing that, you know, I like to delve into these other topics and, and communities where people, you know, there's stigma attached to them and, you know, it could go one way yeah. or the other. Um, so did you, was this your first adoption? Like, did you have to get passed around through other families or was this your first landing place? Luckily, this is my first landing place, um. I have an amazing family and I just, I wouldn't trade them for the world. I love them. That's great. You call them mom and dad? Yes, I do. I was adopted at birth. Right. I just, you know, Um, yeah. I just wonder if you actually called them, you know, mom and dad since they're, because I I, honestly, I don't think biologically means really anything. It just, yeah, it's about I don't who think really so takes either. care of it. Because it's like, you can, you know, you don't say that about your friends. You know, you don't say that about people you're dating. Like, it, it's all about, it's just your parents that have this weird thing where it's like, well, they're your parents. They brought you into this world. But it's yeah. like, yeah, but not everybody meant to have sex. Like, some people just did it peer pressure. Some people, obviously, there's rape. There's, you know, drug and alcohol induced and um, then yeah. there's just clearly these two people shouldn't have had sex in the first place. They just were just young and stupid. And there's, there's many things that go into it and it doesn't mean they're going to be good parents. So you get brought into a world unfairly by people who don't even care about supporting you, uh, or ever taking care of you. So then you're left with, you know, being an infant and someone has to take care of you. Cause when you're a baby, you can't even, if you roll over, you can smother yourself. So you need someone to yeah. take care of you every second of the day at one point. So it's good that you, you know, realize that because, like I said, you always kind of have that hunger or that want to know who they are out there. But once you kind of, in a lot of cases, sometimes when you meet them, they'll never amount to any expectations. If not, they're maybe even worse and maybe you should have never looked. But, you know. Yeah, that's how I feel about my birth mother as well. Um, But I'm glad I know her because I'm glad I didn't take that path. And, um, uh, I, you know, love my parents now. Um, I always have, uh, it's just, it takes one time of meeting someone until they're ingrained in your life, you know? Um, and it's like one time of meeting my brother. He's ingrained in my life forever now. Yeah. Is, isn't there, though, a small part of you, though, that kind of feels bad for your mother? Like, you know, everybody yeah. everybody needs someone who cares and loves them and checks on them and makes sure yeah. they're okay. And 
I don't, you know, I don't know all of your life. And I, I mean, I'm, you probably don't even know a good part of what she went through in her life. So God knows yeah, what I actually then, know, but you know, I'm sure you, there's a party that feels really bad for her because she went down a thing and she got trapped and never came out of it. Um, well, and my brother's dad, he was very abusive. Right. Um, to her and to the, his two kids. Right. Um, my oldest brother had to hide under the house for three months because he had beat him so bad. And it's just, it's so sad to hear because, you know, I know that she got beaten pretty bad and stuff. And I wish someone had been there for her at that time. Right. I really do. Yeah. You can't give her a pass or, or, or make a whole bunch of excuses for her because, you know, she did still screw up. But again, this is what happens when you don't have a good support system around you and, and you're left in this cold world where, like we said about drugs and alcohol and all that. And, I'm sure there was some addictive, I'm sure she isn't the first addict in the family. So I'm sure it was there and, and she was, you know, dating the wrong guys and was tested in life by the streets and all that. And, and she just couldn't rebound and she made a lot of bad mistakes. But um, yeah, like I said, you can't give her a total pass, but you also have to kind of feel and care because there's a lot of people that just, man, they just don't make it and they struggle. Yeah. And, and this, this isn't just, addiction this is also you know what you're going through with your mental health look how many people kill themselves like suicide is up exactly um, and you know we're all you know one bad day from it's all being over with and that, we're not even talking about life circumstances you know you hit by a car or you know a health condition or anything but we're all just one bad day from something bad happening to us on our own accord and um Exactly. And that, that's the scary part. And that's why we have to try to appreciate every day. And, the, you know, the whole antic of, you know, oh, take it one day at a time. But you really have to do it that way because you start stressing out about the future and stressing about yeah. everything you don't have and what you, you know, everything you lack and, and why everyone is so much better everything than you. you right. And then you don't appreciate, you know, in your case, your family and, and um, you know, your husband and, and all these great people in your life. And you just, you, you can't see it past all the dark smog that has completely just taken over you um, or your yeah. drugs and alcohol. And so it's, it's, you know, you're the complete opposite story of what your mother went through. Um, but, you know. And I think she gave me the pathway to take the opposite road of her, right. you know. He right. showed me what what to do. Right. And that's why, like, I've always, people always have asked me, like, what my religious views are and all that. And I'm, I struggle with it. I don't always know. And I'm, you know, but I always said, like, I don't. I struggle with it, too. Right. And I, I always say, like, I don't, I don't always, if I really want to break it down and, and feel that, okay, there's a God out there. And I'm not saying there isn't. But let's just say there is. I always feel like he presents you with multiple doors. A, B, or C, or just A and B. It doesn't matter. He presents you with doors, and you you choose which path you go down by. If you choose A, which is your mother's path, this is what's going to happen to you. You know. Yes. And if you choose B, you're going to survive. 
Um, it doesn't mean you know the answers to it, but you know, there's hidden messages in there and you know, you, you kind of know in the back of your mind doing drugs is probably not, it's going to be the end of you, but there's a huge party that's like, well, drugs feels really good. It very well could be the end of me though. Yeah. You know, if I went back down that path and in look, you know, everyone, when you're an addict, you're always an addict and yeah. You know, again, you're always one bad day from becoming that. So that's why you have to, like, I don't know about you, but I, I always try to work on myself mentally. Like, I'm always trying to find new yeah. supplements and just find things out there that can keep me focused and keep me on the right path because there's always days where I just lay in on my couch or in bed and I'm just like, fuck it. Why, why pay my bills? Like, why do anything? Yeah. Why do I give a shit? I'm just going to be sad tomorrow. Why am I even here? Yeah. Yeah, you, you go down this, you have this roller coaster ride of these emotions and they just, they're up and down, up and down. And then you, you know, it's eventually you come out of it, or most people do. But it, it's, man, it, it, it sucks because you waste a shit, you waste a shitload of time in your life just stuck in this mode. But it's better to do that than actually just act upon your first emotion because that's how you get yourself in trouble. That's how bad things yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. I feel like I acted upon my first emotion before and therapists and stuff have told me, sit back, think about it, think about what you're going to do and then do it. Yeah. Even call me, you know, sometimes if you need help or call your parents if you need help. Right. And that has been a lifeline for me sometimes because I just would have chose the wrong thing if I had acted on my first emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't get yourself off the path, life is going to intervene at some point, whether you believe in God or, or whatever, natural causes, yeah. evolution, whatever you the hell you believe in, something's going to intervene and it's going to take you out of this world. And, and, you know, drugs and alcohol is an obvious one. And, um, but you know, you have multiple things that you have to, you know, I'm sure your life is constantly teetering back and forth mentally where you're just like, okay, yes, i hate that I have this disability. I hate that I feel this way. And then, you know, eh, maybe a drink would be just make me feel better right now or whatever. Um, but, uh, so what was, um, what was school like for you? Just dealing now, all of a sudden you're 14, you're now, yeah. You know, now you have a disability and you're dealing with all these mental problems. Like, what was uh like? What was high school and middle school like for you? Um, nobody really understood in high school. Yeah. Um. So it was pretty hard for me. Um. No one understood why I walked with a limp. No one understood why I couldn't move my right hand. And even though I would tell them, you know, about my stroke, people just didn't have the capacity to understand in high school, you know. Um, yeah. I've made a few good friends. Um, That's good. And I still keep in contact with two of them. Um, but it was pretty hard for me um, because I faced so many obstacles. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the tragedy of that, though, is especially high school, it's all about image. So there are a lot of people that kind of know what you're going through. Maybe not maybe not the disability part. I mean, there are, maybe there'd be a few in the school. But overall, like, just the, the, the depression and all, there's a lot of people that are battling. It's just, it's not... Yeah, it's not popular or sexy to come out and say, "Hey, I'm, hey guys, I'm depressed," you know, because like, oh, yeah, sad. especially nowadays where kids are shooting schools up, you can't just say oh, I'm sad yeah. because there's also a stigma that's attached to that, and um, you can't just come out and, and say a lot of these things because again, you're not cool, and even if you're yeah. not like a cool kid, you know, you're not a jock or a cheerleader or anything like that, you're like. It doesn't matter. Like you don't want to draw any attention to yourself to make you be the completely unpopular nerd or whatever you want to call that kid who sits at the lunch table by himself. And so even though there may be a few people that have felt like you, they weren't going to most likely weren't going to come out and say, hey, it's okay. You know, I know how you feel because now they're drawing attention to themselves and now they're the one that's the butt of the joke, too. And like the few friends I did make in high school, once they were comfortable enough with me, they could kind of share their experiences with me. And a lot of my friends had the same sort of experiences that I was experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. That's like I said, it, I mean, my high school, I, I, I had decent grades and I kind of, people left me alone. I guess I had some sort of like tough vibe to me that just people just didn't mess with me, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they thought I was the kid that was going to shoot up at school because I did get that once. But I wasn't that. But I just was just, you know, I just didn't want to be bothered. Um, And there was just there was kids that were way worse off than me in some ways where they they were easier. They were more of a victim where I kind of had some nice clothing and stuff. So there were certain things that kind of took the attention off my eyes um, and mine was. You know, I didn't. I could kind of hide mine enough to where, you know, I made it cool sometimes because I would have certain equipment and people were just like, "Oh, okay, oh, that's kind of cool." And you know, even though I didn't want the attention, people didn't really mess with me that much, which was kind of nice. Middle school, I had some stuff, but really, high school was okay. But I know a lot of people that high school is just the worst. It's just the worst. Yeah, high school. High school was pretty bad for me. Um. I I don't really know how else to describe it as but it was just um super uncomfortable and you know people would come up to me and ask questions and stuff um about why I was the way I was. And sometimes I wouldn't want to give them an answer. Right. Yeah. And there, I mean, you think, especially in the moment though, do you ever really have the right answer? Because like when you're, no, when you get to lay in bed and sit there and, and you play it through your head 10 times, you, you'll have 10 better answers. But you know, yeah, when you're in those moments, um, you know, I, I've been in some really bad wars in my head and, and you know, you want to be something else. You want to be very charismatic and, and just say and, and personable and just say, hey, guys, what's up? But your demeanor and everything that's in you comes out like, hey, guys, what's up? 
Like you're just shit. Like it's just your whole emotion. Yeah. It's just like a, a melting ice cream cone. Like you're just exactly. You're literally just melting and you want to be just this, you know, kind of peppy and, and, and energetic, but that is not what you're portraying on the outside because that's not how you feel yeah. internally. Like you don't feel that way. And so it's hard to kind of project it to everyone else. It's hard to just say, Hey guys, what's up? Because energy inside you're just on fire like you're you're fighting all these wars i said to somebody it's like whack-a-mole it's just like every time you feel like you 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 fix the problem or you kind of talked yourself out of that issue another one pops up and then you bop that one and then another one comes up from the other side and you know or you know like when you're changing your bed sheets and every time you go to get the one corner the other corner pops off it's like it's like you can't you can't win um, by the way, I solved that problem. I grabbed the whole, uh, case of a 12 pack of Snapple and I put it at one end and then I do the other side. That's how I do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah. And then, like I said, that's why I like to break this stuff down more psychologically for people and, and make it easier for people to understand because a lot of people from the outside, they just think like, Oh, take some medication or Hey, you know, get laid yeah. or, or whatever, you know, smoke a cigarette or you know, they, they give you all these ideas that work for them. And it's like, yes, that sounds cute. And it, it works for you. And that's great. Be happy. You don't have my damn problems, but that doesn't work for me. Yeah. You think I wouldn't do that yeah. if I knew it would work? Um, or maybe you've tried it and it's like, I know it doesn't work for me. Um, so, uh, one of the things you, you talked about, uh, off mic was you were talking about, you know, trying to get jobs and all that. And so what has your experience been with that, with having a disability? Um, I actually recently, uh, got hired at a job. Um, but in the interview process, they had, you know, I've been very transparent about my disability. And, um, they had said in the end of the interview, um, we have to talk to our boss because I'm not sure we can hire people with disabilities. They actually said um, that? Yes. And they fired me a day later because they said that they could not accommodate my needs. Right. Um, and they weren't unreasonable needs. Yeah. Um, so I'm talking with the EEOC. I lodged a formal complaint. Um, and I'm trying to find a pro bono lawyer that is willing to take on my case. Um, because I'm tired of being fired because of my disability. Right. And I've had this happen two other times. And it's just so frustrating. Well, it's also, and it's like, you're tired of being punished yeah. for something that happened to you when, when you were 14 that you had no control of. Exactly. And it's like, I wish I wasn't disabled in a way. But then again, I look at myself, I'm okay with where I am right now. Right. Um, I don't wish I was anyone else because I think that my disability has created more impact towards people. Like 
it, it has created more empathy towards, you know, if you're having a bad day, if you're, you know, upset, if you're, you know, I can sit down and talk to you and actually relate with you. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, good for you because, you know, there's a huge part, of, especially with mental health, where it wants to talk you out of everything. So yeah, when that stuff happens to you, you know, you internalize it and you start to take it out on yourself because, you're, you know, you don't have any control in this point at, the, at, at this point because you're just, yeah. you know, someone discriminated against you, but the world discriminates against people with disabilities. So how do you actually fight something that most people don't care about? Like there's so many other causes out there for women, for black people, gays, and, and so on and so on. Those causes are way more important as far as the the bigger spectrum of it. So how the hell do you draw more attention when a lot of people with disabilities will give up and don't care? Uh, and it's not even that they don't care. They just, they don't have the energy to fight anymore. And and when you have mental health and you have a, you know, another disability on top of it, you're constantly fighting every day. So another fight just doesn't seem appealing. Why, why fight something? Even though it's a battle you should fight because it, it, you win it. That's one win for us because we barely win at all. So the fact that you want to fight that is, is so great because like I said, you've been fighting your mind and, and battling addiction and, and fighting your disability and just the world and, being uh allowing to accept you and all that um because you know if if you don't fight then it just goes unpunished and if you do fight it um it's just going to take a shitload of energy out of you and a lot of time and maybe some money and it's just going to be very consuming but it should be worth it in the end well i think that's part of the reason i'm doing this episode is because i want to get more people to really understand disabilities and understand that just because I'm disabled does not make me a less person than you are. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, and you know, it doesn't matter your disability. Yeah. People don't still be able to work. People don't like the term accommodation. Like they don't want, they don't want to have to do something that they don't have to do. So they don't want to have to make yeah. an effort for someone else because it's like, well, well, I don't have to do it, so why do they need it? It's just like, you understand, I could probably be, I'm probably a much better worker than you. It's just I need one thing or two things, and we'll, we'll, be, yeah. we'll be on our way. It's just you feel like, um, I don't know, it's a, you, could, you could always feel how someone feels about us. Um, like at, my, uh, at my other job, you know, besides the podcast, they started asking this question to uh, able body or sighted people, what the visually impaired people call them, um, they started asking them yeah. for like when we get drivers and stuff because I can't drive. So when they start asking for a driver, they, they'll ask them, hey, uh, are you comfortable? Are you okay with working with visually impaired people? And it's a stupid ass question because it's like, who cares? If they're not comfortable, then they shouldn't yeah. be working here. And two, exactly. You know, but to me, it's it's their uncomfortability with us. It's not the driver's fault. It's not it's not anyone else. It's the people that are running the company because they are so insecure about it because they don't know how to deal with us. They don't know how to interact with us. So that they they project it on the the, the new hirees, and they go, "Hey, are, are, you know, they might as well just say like, do you like them? Do, do, do you think they're okay to work with?'" And 
you know, yeah. it's one of those things like that shouldn't have been a question because, you know, yeah. you're not going to you're not going to ask them, hey, you know, do you mind working with black people? Because they know that that's our, yeah, that's exactly. a no, that's a no, no, which it should be. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, and that's that's the shit that I keep saying about us not fighting, because when we don't fight, that's the stuff that gets passed on and people are allowed to just, you know, put us in a box and allowed to just treat us a certain way and because our voices are never heard because not enough of us speak up. It just, it goes silenced and we give up. And I, I understand the giving up part because like I said, or like what I said a few minutes ago of, you know, we fight so much that we don't want to fight anymore. We don't want to fight any other battle yeah. because we're trying to fight it for our own sanity. We're fi- fighting for our own lives. Um, we're fighting for our own exactly. purpose and, and all that. And so to do that, you know, we can't make other time for fighting, but, but we do, we need to, because if we don't, this shit, like what you went through and, and some of the stories I've had on here, people just being denied access to places and, 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 you know, not being hired or fired at their jobs because of yeah. what their disability is. And, you know, and, you know, I provided the accommodations that they would need I provided cardstock. I wrote down notes for my memory disability. Yeah. I I wear a brace. I provided the brace. So I don't understand how they say that my accommodations are too much or they can't be met. Now, how honest with them? Like, did you tell them more about your physical disability and your mental disability, both or one or the other? Like, I told them everything. Do you feel like you told them too much information? Um. Again, I I I, I, like I commend be, you for being honest, but I, I mean, there might have been a certain parts where it's like if you tell somebody, "Hey, I at one point was hearing voices," like that's gonna throw anybody off. I'm not saying. Well, yeah, it's I didn't not your tell fault. Them about that. Okay, I, I'm just saying, like, if you're so honest, there's no matter how honest you are, and again, I, I, it's beautiful that you were honest, but some things you should just kind of keep in your back pocket, just because. I'm not saying high, the physical disability, yeah. I completely understand, but the ment- some of the mental stuff, no one's going to understand that, except for people yeah. in, in our position. But uh, how honest with them were you? Um, I told them that I had memory issues. I told them that I needed to wear a brace sometimes. I told them that I have bipolar. Um, so they hired me knowing all of that. And then turn around the next day and say that they can't meet my accommodations. Um, yeah. I told them about, like, um, my right side being messed up and all. And, um, they said that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm a little slower than everyone else is because I only have one side of my body that's working. Um, but I don't think I was unreasonably slow or I I was the only one doing most of the work because they had three new hires that day. The three new hires were on their phone and I was actually doing most of the work. Right. So I don't see 
how I got fired and they didn't. Yeah, see, that's the discrimination part, and that's the, the stuff that drives us crazy because one of the things about people, and again, not all people with disabilities. There's a lot of shitty people with disabilities. There's a lot of lazy people with disabilities. I am not sitting here telling you every person with a disability is amazing and strong and, and great people. I am not yeah. saying that. There's shitty people in every community. That's that's a fact. But the one thing, the constant var- variable, variable, I can't even speak today. Anyway, the constant feeling of people with disabilities is that when, when you do give us an opportunity, we make sure we earn it. Because we're not just earning it for you. We're earning it for ourselves. We have to prove to ourselves because people yeah. tell us our whole lives that we can't do shit. And they, they, I know. they create all these limitations. They tell us what we cannot do. So then we start to fall into that and we we tend to forget. And, and a lot of times we don't know because we haven't been given many opportunities to prove to not only to them but to ourselves. So when you give us something, um, if we succeed – you know, and not only it makes your company look better because you have us working there for you, but also like you're going to get a huge dedication from an employee because we will try harder than everyone else because we have to do more to succeed at their level. Um, exactly. On a much harder level. So um, it just takes more effort. And, you know, to me, it was it was very alarming when she said, you know, we don't about, you know, we don't know if we hire people with disabilities because, that shouldn't even be, you know, because that wouldn't have been a thing for, you know, oh, I don't know. Do we hire women? Like, that's not, that's not something that yeah, comes out. like, oh, I don't know. Do we hire African-Americans? Yeah, that's just yeah. something that doesn't compute nowadays. I mean, you know, back in the day, yeah, that was a thing. But in yeah. 2021, you know, more than halfway to 2022, we're beyond that. And that's a good thing. But when it comes to us, it's, it's it's okay to say stuff like that and not everywhere, but there are a lot of places where people can get away with that. Um, because again, people with disabilities, a lot of times are kind of all accumulated into one pot and they're all, um, you know, we're all kind of considered slow and not slow as in, you know, in your case where, you know, sometimes you move a little slower, but like mentally we're all considered mentally challenged, and we're all considered people in wheelchairs and all that. And, and there's no there's no differentiating between all of us. And and that's the that's the real problem. And there's a lot of insecurities that people have. And it's like it's almost like we have the plague and we're just scaring people. And it's like, look, man, yeah. our lives are okay. Some of ours are better than yours. It's just you don't understand us and you don't want to understand us and you try to make our lives more difficult than they need to be yeah we don't need to have that we have enough struggles um yeah and that's you know that's why i push so hard to advocate and just try to get it out there and share everyone else's stories with mine next to it because again i've I've said so many times i don't want to do this shit alone because me doing this alone at best i can have a little success for myself but I don't, I don't want to do this shit alone because there's so many great people doing so many great things. I don't want the community to get passed on. That's what happens with us where people get some sort of notoriety and then they just, they take it on themselves and like, yes, I am the one person that can do this. And they don't go, Hey, look back on our community. There's so many other people you could pick from there that do great things. You can get great stories and, 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 you know, whatever great workers out of it. There's so much there but you just, a lot of them, they just kind of go, nope, I'm the one. 
I'm the anomaly. I'm the one person that does this. Don't worry about the rest of the community. And so people forget about us. So then there's the one guy that's like, oh, he's a blind singer. It's like, yeah, he, he's great. But there's yeah. plenty of people that do great things with other disabilities, with the same disability. And just appreciate them. And, and you know, don't just look at one person and just immediately judge them based off of, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, that whole thing. Um, exactly. <clears throat> and um, I think that the manager was piling on more than I could handle. Um, and she was intentionally doing that. And so I asked one of the other employees to help me while she was on her phone. And she was like, no, you can do it. Right. And it's just like, <sighs> Yeah. If you saw how hard I struggle each day just to get up in the morning, like it, it Yeah, it'd blow their mind. I mean, one if they saw it, yeah. they would tell you not to come in, but two if if they even said come in, they would just like, "Oh my god, this is like how the hell does anyone do this?" Um yeah. And that's that's again, that's the mental aspect of it. The mental aspect is more crippling than the physical stuff, unless you're physically actually crippled. But um, yeah, it, yeah, that's 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 the constant battles that we have with the world, and that's going back to how many times I've said this. But a lot of times, having a disability is isn't the bad part. It's the everything else. It's the hurdles that life and people put on us that are already, that we already have challenges. We already have, you know, every, we all know there's yeah. a couple things we cannot do. We're going to try like hell and we're going to find ways to make, you know, make life work for us. But, um, you know, there's, you know, with all the challenges there, you throw in the fact that there's so many other variables because people just continue to throw in, hey, yep, you you can't work here. You know, hey, you know, yeah. our school does want to accommodate whatever disability you have. You know, we don't want to we don't want to give you whatever equipment because we can't afford it or, you know, whatever it is. Like we, we don't want exactly. to allow you to come here. You know, I had a friend who was denied access to an aquarium. Like, you can't come in here because you drive a or you ride along a uh, Segway. And it's like, that's how he gets around because he can't stand. He has mus yeah. muscular dystrophy. He cannot stand. That's not his, I mean, he can, but on a short period of time. And he cannot get around. So he wants to see fish and and whales and, and octopus. And he wants octopi, if you want to do plural. He wants to see them and... He can't because some asshole is insecure and says, no, you can't come in here. Why? Because some kids want to do it? Well, you just tell them no. He has documentation that says, I can come in here with this because I have a disability. Yeah. Like, it's not a, it, it's always like a, you know, you even hear that in like school and, and jobs where they don't like to divide and, or they want to divide and conquer. They don't want to really, they, they don't really want to make it as a group thing or they or sorry. They want to keep it as a group thing. They don't want it to be like unfair for others, even though the world is unfair for a lot of people. Um, yeah. And so they don't, but they don't want to draw attention to the unfairness. So then if somebody comes in and says, Hey, I need this equipment to work here or to function in this space. It's like, well, but what happens if somebody wants that, but they're not you. 
Yeah. Well, you tell them no. Like, they, yeah, they you can't. tell them no. The reason why that kid can't drive a Segway is because he's a douchey college kid who just driving a Segway around an aquarium is a dumbass because he can walk and he's just an idiot. That you just tell him no. Simple. Do you have any documentation that says you can come here? No. You do, or because you have a disability? No. So you, you don't have that to prove that you can drive this in here. So then you get a no, and the guy over there, the one guy of the 10,000 here, gets a yes because he, he, he needs it. It's how he functions. So let him be. Yeah. It's already, you think he doesn't care. Like, in his head, he knows that this thing draws attention to himself every fucking day. It's a damn segue. Yeah. And I hate to bring him up. He's my friend. I love him. But, like, you know, the segue, and we've talked about it, the segue, any, anything, you know, a wheelchair, a, a cane, a, a dog, a service dog, any of these things, you know, crutches and, and leg braces and, and, and you know, amputees and, and all the stuff that we have, you know, just the, the, you know, the electronic arms and legs that amputees have and all that, like, they all draw attention. But when you tell us no and, I, and you deny us access, that now you're drawing even more attention. My um, boyfriend, or well, my fiance, he actually has rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. So he has to walk with two canes. And he tried to get them in his job, and they made it almost impossible for him to use the cane. Yeah. And... It's just like that's how he gets around. Like yeah. one day he's gonna have to be in a wheelchair, and it's not fun for him. Like it's it's a struggle for him constantly because he is denied those rights as a human. You know to be allowed to walk with canes at work yeah yeah and again i i think some people will hear these type of things and they they think that we're just bitching and complaining or but it's like look man we don't want a whole lot we just want some fairness we know life is not yeah. going to be fair for us we know life is not fair for most people we understand that but our lives are already unfair we never, I mean, for, for most of us, you know, some people get into car accidents yeah. that they caused and stuff like that. But there's a lot of us that didn't ask for these disabilities. You were 14, you were, you know, swimming in the ocean and you have a stroke. No one, you never asked for that. Yeah. You never knew it was coming. They don't even know why it happened other than they know one variable of it, but they don't know, you know, what caused that. So at the end of the day, like we're not, we're complaining because we just want a little fairness. We just want some you know, 75% of people with disabilities are unemployed. That's not all on people with disabilities. We play a partial part yeah. of it. But the world just doesn't want to hire us. And yes, there are places, there yeah. are people that will. But there's, there, you know, few and far from between. So you have to, you have to listen. Because if, if this was any other community and there was a, you know, and if, you know, the gay community was 25% of the gay community were were, un, were employed and 75% was unemployed, that would be changed tomorrow. Yeah. Because the LGBT community community is strong and they get shit done. Whether you agree with yeah. what they do, they're strong and they, they fight for their people. So that's why this part is on us because we don't fight enough. 
not enough of us, I should say. Yeah. And that's why I bitch so much, and that's why I have people on, and, and we try to have conversations that are hard for some people to hear because, <clears throat> you know, you don't know our stories, and, and maybe you don't want to know our stories, but we got to make it heard, and that's the thing. You want to get people yeah. to, to do stuff, you have to just annoy them enough until they just want you to shut up. And so they just say, okay, yeah. what do you need? It's okay. This is what we need. All you right. know, um, one of the ladies who fired me, right. she said, you have a great personality. You should work at a at an office. Yeah, it's somewhere like, hidden. I, I don't want to work in an office. Yeah. I can get out and do stuff. Even though it takes me a little bit longer. Yeah. I can still get up and I can still do stuff. I don't want to be hidden away in an office where no one sees my disability. I want people to see it, ask questions. You know, that's what drives me, you know, to better inform people about my disability. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just, man. It, it, every story makes me more and more angry about it because it's it's, it's terrible and it's just I, I've had a, a few people on here and it's just a few. There's so many that just they're battling and they're going through something right now and you know a few of them will probably kill themselves. A few of them this will drag them down. Not if they don't kill themselves, it'll drag them into a bad place, and they may not yeah. they may not recover fully ever, or they or they'll recover, but it'll be a long time from now because they're just. This shit just, you know, there's people out here that are trying to make a difference for themselves and their family, and they're just, they're trying not to be a statistic. They're not trying to, they're trying to be a person that they don't want to be part of that 75% of unemployed. They want to fight and they yeah. want to, they want to work. And, you know, part of the and thing. I feel like it, it's my right to work. You yeah. know, how I want to work. Yeah. But, I, but what deters people from working in our community is like what you just went through. Like people don't want to yeah. have, to, they don't want to deal with the embarrassment of putting themselves out there and getting told, oh yeah, we don't really hire people with disabilities or getting, or just the rejection or the, you know, just the, 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 the setting you up for failure where it's like, okay, yeah, you got the job. Oh, now you don't have the job. Um, that's the type of stuff that just, we don't want to have to deal with. We'd rather just stay home because it's safer there. Um, but you know, um, so what what are you doing with your yourself these days? Um I'm trying to find another job. Right. Um I just keep going to my therapist, keep going to my physical or uh, to my psychiatrist. Um I'm trying to get out and as much activity as I can. Um, so my boyfriend and I, we walk each day. Um, it really helps with our moods, um, because I don't feel like I can just sit and do nothing. Like I want to get up. I want to get active. I want to do stuff. And unfortunately, most of the community, the disabled community, has been put down so far that they don't even want to go out of their house. And it's just like, 
I want to get up. I want to get active. I want to inform people about my disability. So they're easier and they understand it a little bit more. Yeah. And that's always a good goal to have. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I never cared about what I meant to the community because I'm so focused on trying to get my life on track that I, why could I, why should I care about a, you know, a group of billions of people, but, um, doing this and meeting everybody and seeing what everyone else is going through. It's like, I, I hate to see what others are going through and what they're, you know, how they're affected, you know, knowing that I'm not the yeah. only one that's affected like this and mistreated like this. Like I, I, I would actually rather just take it all on me and take everyone's pain away and just hope people didn't have to me go through too. that. But I can't. So then it's like, well, let's have some camaraderie and let's just join together and, and, you know, let's just dissect all these problems and let's, let's just try to nip this in the bud and let's, let's, let's end this bullshit. Um, yeah. and it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a journey and, you know, hopefully the more this goes on and the more awareness you spread, the more people to share their stories and share the podcast and all that. And just, you know, I connect with other shows and hopefully we could just, you know, and, and all the other people out there that are doing, forget podcasts, but just whatever they do in their lives of speaking and putting out books and documentaries and all that, <clears throat> hopefully it all, you know, culminates into one big storm that just eventually someone has to hear us. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do thank you for, for doing this. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? Just stay positive. No matter what you're going through, there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some of the darkest days, you just, you have to find that tiny pinhole of light whatever the hell it is um yeah i've said many times like sometimes the thing that you're searching for you know maybe what you want in life is is a a boyfriend or a girlfriend or you know someone to love you or you know you want a better job or you want whatever it is the hell you want maybe looking for the next season of a show you know oh it's coming out in a couple months oh i want to wait for that even, yeah. if, even if it's something that small, it's like we're like, oh, I want to try the new Mountain Dew. I, I don't fucking care. Whatever it is, if it's something that you have excitement for, it's something that you feel like you want to live another day for. So yeah, take that and and you start to piece things together. And you start running with it. There's another day, and maybe the next day you go, oh well, but there's a new restaurant I want to try. And oh, now maybe you just continue to find these little things and and as long longer the journey goes on, maybe things start to creep into your life and you find, you know, you meet a friend who knows a friend and now they got you, you know, a job interview at a job that, you you know, at a, at a wherever, a warehouse or wherever, and now you have a job. And then maybe from that job yeah. you meet somebody and now you have a lover. And, you know, and you start to develop all these things in your life that you didn't have in your worst of times. So, um, you know, yeah, just continue to kind of find things. It doesn't, you don't always have to try to find the biggest part of your life. Like the, 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 the ultimate goals are great and it's good to have these plans, even if it's a five-year plan or whatever. It's good to have things to strive for. But if you don't, um, if you don't have these little things to enjoy in life, uh, the big things, even if you at attain them, like you're probably not going to uh, relish in them as much as you would 
if uh, yeah. if you didn't appreciate the the journey how you got there. Exactly. Um, I didn't ask you beforehand. You don't. Do you have anything to promote, like website or anything? No, I don't. Okay. You ever think about writing a book or a blog or or anything? Just kind of telling your story and you know. I want to write a book, but um, I'm not too sure how I'd get started with that. Well, there's plenty of people out there to help you write books, and um, yeah, just even even if it's um, even if it's like a fictional book or something, something within the realm of your story or whatever. Even if you just tell a, it could be anything. Just get yourself out there. But if you just want to spread more awareness, you know, it doesn't hurt to do a blog or a YouTube channel or a podcast or uh, yeah, I might start doing that. Just something. Just something to make you feel good about yourself, getting your story out there and, and sharing it to the world. Like I said, you could do a little YouTube channel and just, you don't even have to just talk about that. Like, you know, when I started doing this, it was mainly just to tell my story, talk about mental health and, you know, tell my friend Lori's story who died and I got to tell it uh, and I wanted to tell it because she didn't get to. And along the way, I just wanted to interview. Yeah, and then I wanted to interview some people and... I didn't care about what the disability was. I just wanted to interview them because they were my friends and they had disabilities, but they were all kind of the same disability as me. And so then I was like, well, at least in, in the same department as far as the eye problems. Um, and then I, but I, there's a, there was a huge part of me like that felt like I need to be doing more. Like I want to interview people with different conditions, but I didn't know a whole lot of people. So then I found my cousin who has a son with autism. And then that was kind of my, yeah that was kind of the dip in the toe in the water of, Oh, this is where we should be going with this. Um, and so now we're, you know, 60 some out, 60 out now and another 30 in the clip, just, just sitting there waiting to come out. So, you know, and so doing this will be episode 90 and you know, there's other people that want to do it. So it, you just kind and this has been within a year's journey. So if you keep putting yourself out there and you sometimes, what's not clear to you eventually comes to the forefront after constant tries and uh, rejection and just, but with the podcast, like I've wanted to quit multiple times. I've talked about it on here and then you get someone who reaches out to you and says, Hey man, I, I appreciate what you do. And you know, you help get me through a day and that got me through a day just hearing yeah. that. Cause I know I'm helping somebody. So um, somebody who doesn't know me, it's not a friend of mine. Like somebody just reached out, somebody made me a website from doing this. Like I didn't create that website. I don't know how to do it. I could figure it out probably, but I don't know how to create a website yet. And so I made yeah. a website cause they heard one episode. So, um, that, that's the type of thing you put yourself out there. You just continue to put out energy, good energy and just try to help it. There's a lot of people that have gone through strokes. Um, there's a lot of people have nearly died and a lot of people that are battling to this day, from something like that, they've yeah. been, that they've been trying to cope with for decades. So there's nothing wrong with putting yourself out there and, you know, you put yourself out there, it opens the door for other people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hope you had fun. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, I had so much fun. I enjoyed myself a lot. Good. I'm glad. Um, yeah. I just wanted to share your story. Like I said, there's a lot of people that are, they have stories to tell and, you know, I'm not going to be able to get to everybody, but anybody that hits me up and wants to come on, I'm I'm all for it. And, you know, if you need a friend, someone to talk to, I know you're dealing with your shit, so I'm always here. 
I tell people that not everybody t- takes me up on it, but if you do, you know, at any time, and don't worry, it won't be recorded. Just this is just the only. Re- well, I mean, if we if you wanted to do something down the road, you have an idea, and you wanted to do an update or something. I always thought about doing some update episodes on some previous guests. We could do something, but as far as from here on out, unless it's an idea that we come up together or come up with together, you know, in general, all our conversations beyond this won't be recorded. So, like I said, if you need anything, just right. just reach out, and I'm here. So. Um, I know some people might think I just say that because we're on mic, but you know, if you ask any of the people that I've had on, I, I try to check on all of them. It's hard, but I, I try. Yeah. Uh, especially the ones that where their episodes coming up, I'll just say, Hey, your episode's coming out in two weeks or next week or whatever, just to let them know. Cause I'm sure sometimes they get discouraged cause it's like, Oh, I did it two months ago and it hasn't come out. It's like, it's coming. It's just, I'm trying to be fair to everybody, uh, you know, in the time frame that I do it. So, uh, you know, but yeah, uh, like I said, I thank you for having you. I thank you for coming on and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. That sounds great. All right. You have a uh, good week. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Hope she hangs up cause I can't do it. Oh, good. She did. All right. Um, Hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. <clears throat> I think these tablets may be working and starting to unlock my brain a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe it's just today and I'm having a good day. I don't know. I'm starting to unlock some shit. I'm feeling better. Um, ask me next week. Uh, to next week, I may be ball my eyes out on here. Don't know. I've showed every damn emotion. Just about. Uh, yeah. So, <sighs> I hope you guys are, are all doing well. And um, I can't believe we've already made it through 90 of these things. Wow. Uh, Just so if anybody would like to know, and if everyone really is paying attention, the date of this episode is August 22nd of 2021. I'm telling you that because this is probably going to come out in 2022. Um, But, you know, I, I just try to keep, going my goal is to find one guest a week at least so that i just stay i want to stay 20 ahead which now is kind of ridiculous because now i'm about 30 ahead 60 just came out this is 90 so i kind of messing the whole thing up but I'm, I'm just trying to stay consistent i'm trying to have um just many just in the vault just there because i may have a bad day and i may not want to do this i may have a bad month and i just don't want to do anything new i don't want to talk to people i don't want to record so I got shit right there. Just here you go, guys. Another episode. Boom. Get out of here. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, bullet was, well, bullet's on the floor, uh, but he was laying with me. Uh, I think he made a noise. You may be able to hear it. Um, I will try to get some of that car noise out of there. So, if you don't hear car noise, then you'll know it worked. If you still hear it, then I couldn't get it out because I know it probably annoyed some people, but uh, annoyed me a little. I won't lie. But. You know, do what you gotta do. Gotta try to be nice to people. Uh, but she's a sweet girl, and I'm, I'm glad she was on. Um, I just met her, and you know, she she came out and wanted to talk, and you know, she she worked out, and I thought we had some good conversations there. So, um, yeah, guys, I you know I don't have much to say here. I just wanted to just give you a quick mental health update and put out a nice interview, and you know, go on with our day. Um, I hope everybody. Whenever you are listening, just have a good day. 
I'm not even going to say have a good week or a month or year. Just take one day at a time. Enjoy that. Uh, don't look past that. Just try to enjoy it. Now, even if there's some things that you're excited about, that's great. But try to live in the moment. Um, appreciate the time you have right now. Um, yes, I tapped the mic. Sorry. Um, but yeah. And like I said, look out for the loved ones that that really love you. Doesn't matter their relationship to you, whether they're family or friends or lovers or any of that. Just look out for people, man. There's every there's always somebody that you could help that is struggling. And that's with that could be mul- a multitude of problems. So just be that one person that can help get somebody through the darkest of times. So, um, yeah, I'll see you guys on ninety one. See you guys next week and uh, tada. Is it, is it ta-da? Is it, well, I could say toodles. It's like the whitest thing I could say. Toodles. Ah, ta-da. Toodles. To doodles. To doodles. Whatever. Goodbye. <laughs>